In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When I teach the faith to adult converts, we always spend some time talking about the fear of God. For many of us, this is a foreign concept. Why should we fear God when we know that he is a God of love? But I invite you to look at the picture on the front cover of your bulletin where Jesus is depicted driving out the money changers and ask yourself, is this my God? Unbelievers who don't know the first thing about the Bible often lecture Christians about how Jesus would act and what he would say. Jesus was gentle and meek. He never said an unkind word. He would never be angry. But is that true? Many people have a conception of Jesus that isn't necessarily compatible with what the scriptures tell us about him. Even some Christians can't understand why there are literally hundreds of passages in the Bible that talk about the fear of God. If God is love, then why should he be feared? If you had a good relationship with your dad growing up, perhaps that can help us understand a little of the fear of God. I did. My father was and still is, a godly man. And my brothers and I always looked forward to the end of the day when Dad got home, except when we had been misbehaving. And Mom said, you just wait until your father gets home. Well, then we kept an eye on the driveway with a certain amount of dread. You could call this fear of Dad. We never doubted that he loved us, and yet... When we had been acting out, we feared the consequences. So it is with the fear of the Lord. Without a doubt, he loves us even more than the best earthly father. But when we break his holy law, we ought to fear the consequences. And that's not a bad thing. A healthy dose of the right kind of fear keeps us out of all sorts of trouble. When Joseph was tempted to commit adultery with his master's wife, he said to her, How could I commit this great sin against God? You see, Joseph feared God. Now, some people think that God sits up in heaven and sends angels to zap people when they break his law. But generally, the consequences of sin are built in. If a parent says to a three-year-old, don't touch the hot stove, and the child does anyway, God doesn't need to intervene directly to punish disobedience. The consequence is naturally attached to the sin. And while the child is suffering from a burnt finger, he is experiencing the wrath of God. God's law says, Honor and obey your parents. Disobeying God's law always leads to suffering. But someone might ask, since God is a God of love, shouldn't he intervene to keep the child's finger from hurting? How can there be suffering if God is all good and all powerful? But it's God's love that allows us to reap where we've sown. 
Hopefully the pain of a burnt finger will instill a healthy fear in our hearts of crossing the line next time. Hopefully we learn of the danger of sin while the stakes are relatively small so that we can avoid the eternal fire that is never quenched. In our gospel reading, Jesus weeps as he looks out over the city of Jerusalem. Here is the love of God, weeping because his children have turned away from him. God never delights in our suffering, even when we deserve it. In fact, Jesus had come to earth to suffer our well-deserved punishment. He had come to make peace between man and God, whose law had been trampled underfoot by sinful men. The Passover lamb, whose blood causes the destroying angel to pass over our homes, had come to shed his blood for his people. But God's own people had lost the fear of the Lord. Rather than heeding the warning signs, rather than saying, ouch, my finger hurts, I think I'll repent from my sin and return to God, they hardened their hearts and continued headlong down the path of destruction. Perhaps they said to themselves, God is a God of love. He will never allow punishment to come upon his people. Jerusalem is the city of God. It's the place where the holy temple stands. We're safe and secure in our position here as God's people. No calamity would ever come upon us. Century after century, God had sent prophets to call his people to repentance. How did they respond? They developed a reputation for murdering God's messengers. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. Can the mercy of God expire? In other words, can unrepentant sinners finally reach the point of no return? Yes, that is possible. And the Bible warns us against this. The Spirit of God will not strive with man forever. God wants all people to turn from their sins and be saved. That is his will. But he will not force his will upon hardened sinners. On the final day, God will say to those who have refused him, Thy will be done. The global day of judgment is still in the future, but Judgment Day often comes to individuals or even to cities and nations that refuse to hear God's word and turn away from their sin. And that day would soon come for Jerusalem. Jesus looked upon the city in sorrow as he prophesied its destruction, a day so dark that the world had not seen its light before and never would again. You will find Josephus' account of the destruction in your bulletin, and be warned, it is terrible. But this is only a preview of the destruction that awaits all unrepentant sinners on the final day. 
And it might surprise you to learn that it won't be God the Father sitting on the throne there acting as the judge. The authority to judge the world on the final day has been given to Jesus. He will be the one to execute judgment on the nations. The cover of your bulletin is a glimpse of that Jesus, the great and terrible judge of all. So should Christians fear God? Should you fear his wrath and punishment? Yes, you should. You should fear God so much that you repent of your sins, especially that pet sin that always seems to be so enjoyable. And you should turn away from that and flee. But flee where? Where in the universe could we hope to find refuge from God who is ever-present and all-seeing? We flee to our Lord Jesus. You see, even as Jesus looked out upon Jerusalem and wept, he was nearing the end of his journey to the cross. With the day of judgment looming over his people, Jesus entered Jerusalem to take that judgment upon himself, to bear the full weight of the wrath of God against sin, to suffer everything in our place. If you're having a hard time understanding how God's nature can include both perfect judgment and perfect love, And look to the cross of Jesus and see the mercy and justice of God joined together there in the broken body of our Lord. Apart from Calvary, we could only ever experience the terror of the impending judgment, knowing that we fully deserved that punishment. The Lord God returns to his temple. Our heavenly father is coming home and we have not behaved as we should. But this holy fear causes us to cry out for mercy and flee to the place where God's infinite love and mercy have been revealed for all, to the cross of Jesus. Here and nowhere else is the one thing that makes for peace. Here is the revelation of the tender heart of God toward every one of his wayward children. The city of Jerusalem did not know the time of her visitation. God walked among them in the flesh, offering mercy, but unbelief hid him from their eyes. And the same could easily have been true for you, but by a miracle of faith. The Holy Spirit has opened your eyes to see and to recognize Christ. Today is the day of your visitation. Outside of the church that gathers around the crucified body of our Lord, there can only be fear, wrath, and judgment. But here, where we are gathered in his name, Jesus visits us today as he has promised to do. And everyone who flees to him, 
finds mercy in abundance. Every sinner who approaches his table in faith receives forgiveness for all sin. Every trembling and fearful heart finds lasting comfort and true peace. The fear of God drives us to Jesus, where we find forgiveness, life, and salvation. In his name, amen.